Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. Adam podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. It is showtime. It's a new year, and I'm glad that everybody is here. we got a great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is a legendary actor you know from 16 Candles, A Mighty Wind, Curb Your Enthusiasm, one of my favorite movies, Breaking Away, and his new book is called Movie Dad. His name is Paul Dooley. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website on Tuesday. Click the link. Join our conversation. And our superfan shout-out is for Joy. Say hi to Joy, everybody. Hello, Joy. Joy to the world. How you doing, Joy? There you go. Phil says hello, too. Phil says, hi, Joy. I'm, I'm exhausted. I think that's what he said <laughs> when I spoke to him. But I, I, I did speak to him. Hold on. You all right, baby? <coughs> Alex is smoking while we're recording. Put that, put the lucky out. You never smoked, did you? Not till this show. Thank you. Really? I thought like a cool model living in Paris and all over the world, you would be smoking cigarettes. Yeah, like I a- smoked Cohibas. Cigars? Thin Cohibas. Thin Cohiba cigars? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I figured you smoke a Galois. Good one. No. I smoked I smoked the just occasional thin cigar. Thin cigar. I started smoking Lucky Strikes because I'd stolen I steal them from my father from the truck. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a man's cigarette. That's that's a commitment. That's you know. <laughs> I told you my father's like I said, Pop, smoke some with a filter. Ah, filter's bad for you. There's chemicals in there. I've seen someone cut the filter off, like rip it off. Yeah, and that's what I, oh smoke. yeah. Oh, that's what you did? Yeah, because my oh. mother would smoke benches and hedges, so I break the filter off and just smoke them like a lucky. Yeah, that was the move. Yeah. Those were long cigarettes. The, oh, my, my grandmother used to smoke 120 Max, Max 120s. You need someone else to light them. They were just all the way. <laughs> your arm didn't reach. I played a character once that had to smoke, yeah. and they gave me a cigarette case for it, and the only thing that would fit in it were unfiltered cigarettes. So I started smoking Luckies. Right. And and I really liked that role, but after like three weeks of rehearsal, I couldn't walk upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, man. I really, I got to start chewing gum. This is bad. Yeah. That's right. So I learned to smoke because I wanted to be like my father. You know what else I learned to do uh, from my dad? Check the gas gauge in my car. Now, there's a reason I'm bringing that up. You mean your Buick where you had to write down the tally of miles? Yeah. Well, that gas gauge was busted. It might be. But I still, I knew enough to know the car might run out of gas and to listen to what the car tells you when it talks to you. Unlike Phil Tagliferi. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I what happened? I, I have this for you. What the hell happened? I ran out of gas. You, you what? <laughs> moron. <laughs> With the rental car, out of gas, pulled off on the side of the road, raining, Christmas night, cold, ran out of gas. Merry f-ing Christmas to me. We can start with the soundbite to tell you a story. Yeah, he ran out of gas. Okay, I would blame bad math on you running out of gas, right. but with Phil? Yeah. Come on, Phil. He's an idiot. What, what are you, 16? Fill up the toy tank, the tank with gas. Oh, not what even that. Doing? The car tells you. Wait, wait. Yes. The car's got a range. Didn't you put up the range? Yes, it said 30 miles and it said nothing, all right? That's what happened. Or did it say 30 miles and you thought you could make it? All right, I thought I could make it. <laughs> <laughs> How 
How far did you get from the gas station? Half a mile. <laughs> That's it. He's pushing it the whole time. He's like, I can make it. I can make it. The thing's going down. He's a half a mile. <laughs> and it stalls out. It's and it's raining on Christmas Eve. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just he, This should never happen. It should never happen <laughs> at all. But it happened to him. So let me ask you this. What In this situation, what would you do? Well, I would go to the gas station that's very close. Right. I would get a can, can of gas. And I'd, you know, what do you eat? A couple gallons, you know, put it in the car and then go fill up the rest of the car. Yeah. That's, that's all you do. You get enough gas just to get to the gas station to fill it up. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, honey. I would call you. You would call me. I would come over and I would get enough gas to get you to the gas station, fill it up and drive home. Mm-hmm. That's what we would do. Mm-hmm. This is what Phil did. So what'd you do? What'd I do? I locked the car. I called Uber. He gave me a ride to the gas station a mile away. I go in. I'm like, you have a gas can? Not that we can give you. We have one for sale. $40. $40 for a gas can. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not paying that. So I give the Uber oh. guy five bucks cash. I go, bring it back to my car, please. <laughs> we call it no gas. And then what'd you do when you got back there? I sat there again going, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he did. He's too oh. cheap. He's sitting there. Like, I'm right back where I started. This that- is not the time to be a discerning consumer. And be yeah. like, that price no. is too high. Yeah. No. What do you think he did after that? Oh, God. I, I'm guessing he done. Did he walk back to the gas station? I don't know. Oh, no. He did this. I called 911. He called 911. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You called 911? <laughs> I called. What's your emergency? I go, well, it's not really an emergency technically per se. I, go, I, 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 I ran out of gas. I'm alone. It's raining. Can you send someone? Did they ask you if mommy and daddy left you with the car? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, he called 911. Oh, man. Okay. On Christmas night. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 911 in Florida. Don't you think they're a little bit busy? Yeah. yeah. Florida man generally keeps them pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked that this happened. So they sent the cop. They sent the cop. Oh, they did. Send the cop. And man, was she in a mood. I go, I go, listen, I ran out of gas. She goes, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, help me out. Give me some gas. She goes, we're not AAA. I, I'm crying. I'm a police officer. I would have arrested you for being a pussy. <laughs> oh, my God. What do you got? This is I'm stranded. Uh, I'm, I'm Christmas, Christmas. It's raining. Come on. Throw me a bone. Throw me a bone. <laughs> Can you give me a ride to the gas station, Elise? She's like, we're not a taxi, sir. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. please. <laughs> she left you there? Left me there. <laughs> Nobody cares. What are the odds that there's three policemen talking? No, you do it. No, you know, you do it. Let's pick straws. Oh, man. This car 18, there's a man who ran out of gas. I'll take the murder. I'll take, I'll take the gunshots. <laughs> Yeah. I'll take the domestic dispute. You go help the guy that ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah, Jenkins, you get over there and deal with the gas guy. Oh, what so what happened? Give me, give me a ride. Yeah. I mean, who calls the cops? Just give me a ride. Protect and serve. Serve me up with a ride, officer. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah, right, here's more. So then what did you do? What did I do? I walked. I walked a half an hour to the gas station, and I bought the gas can. I should have done the first time. I would have yes. sleeping by now. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted you to get to the gas station. I'm sorry, sir. It's now $60. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you paid it. He called me up and he was all he was all flipped out because he was like he was filthy. Couldn't figure out how to work the gas. Yeah. Listen to this. Okay. So you're doing all right now? No. My hand still smells like gas. It's been 24 hours. Is 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 that bad? Well, if it's still on your skin, it means it's probably in your bloodstream. Yeah, you, you, you're probably going to be fine. Just don't fart near an open flame. <laughs>
make things kind of make sense. <laughs> Just the way you say, uh, you're probably going to be okay. <laughs> Just that hint of doubt just sets him spinning off, man. Oh, my God. Poor oh. Phil. Uh, God bless you, man. I love you. Ah, what an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> he is beautiful. You know when uh, sanitizing, like, everybody's like, oh, you got to sanitize. I ran out of sanitizer. I just choose a little gas when I was pulling well, yeah, out That's gas. fine. Yes, sure. Kill anything. That's right. And, and I, I will just say this. My old man taught me a lot of life lessons. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's one, two, or three, but it's right up there. Mm. Never run out of gas. Yeah, don't and run out of a, gas. Here's a simple tip. And I learned how to drive in a 1965 Volvo wagon, okay? Wasn't exactly a lot of sophisticated device in there, but they did have a gauge. Mm -hmm. And the gauge would tell you how much gas you had left, approximately. And you never, he's like, don't even let the gas go below half tank. Just you see it at half tank, fill it up. Yeah. That's what you do. You take it out of play. I um, learned to keep a triple A card. That's good. Yeah. Triple A. Yeah, it's also good. <laughs> yeah, that's my father taught me. I got life lessons too. You know, check the gas. You know, never speak bad when a friend of yours breaks up because they're probably going to get back together. Right? <laughs> Always make sure that you can face the man in the mirror with the choices you make. And when you screw up, you may not like what you did, but you better damn well like what you do about it. And split eights because they're a lousy hand. Those are the things I got. <laughs> and Paul Dooley is the ultimate movie dad. That's what his book is called, Movie Dad. And he, really uh, he was is. in one of my favorite movies of all time, is Breaking Away. Do you ever see the movie Breaking Away, honey? Um, no. All right, we're going to watch the movie Breaking Away. Stern, you've seen oh. it, right? It, I've seen it like 40 times. It's <laughs> such a great movie. And Paul Dooley is, first of all, he is the great movie dad. Yeah. But he's so brilliant. It's, it's, it's just an outstanding movie, and he's the best in it. And there's one scene that I'm thinking of. Are you thinking of the same scene, Adam? You mean this one? Refund! <laughs> I put yes. Refund! <laughs> oh, what? God, it's a refund. He was a used car, he was a used car salesman. And uh, these came back to return a Corvette that they bought. And he's like, yeah, I got a refund. And he flipped out because he wanted a refund. And the doctor's like, he's back at his house after they asked for a refund. He's having, a, he's having like a breakdown. He's like, a refund? His, he's screaming. Because his kid, I think, gave him the refund. Yeah, and his kid gave him the no, refund. No, Refund. Yeah, what's the matter with you? <laughs> but it was it was an honor for me to talk to this guy. Uh, I, I remember that that movie had a big impact on me when I was a kid. Oh, it's a great movie and a great cast. Alex, it's got Dennis Quaid, a very young Dennis Quaid, uh, Daniel mm -hmm. Stern, mm -hmm. uh, Jackie Earl Haley. It's just uh, Jackie Earl it, Haley. It, yeah. Exactly. Also memorable is Kelly Leak from the Bad News Bears. Oh, um, the kid, yeah. the guy in a motorcycle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. smoking a butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. But it's and it's like at a shoestring budget. It was like an independent movie. Like it wasn't expected to do like great things. And it became like this sleeper hit of the year. And it's become one of the great movies. Everyone that sees it is like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's just brilliant. It's about I'm going to show bicycle. you that movie, baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. You guys listen to this and we will see you on the other side. What kind of relationship do you have with your father? It's often ambivalent, right? Because there was an element of him that encouraged you, hopefully, because without the encouragement of your father, man, the world is a dismal place. It's very difficult to be a courageous person unless you have your father in, in body and spirit behind you. It's very de demoralizing. Did they ask you if mommy and daddy left you with the car? <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. Y'all know these episodes are longer than 30 minutes, right? Right? 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Stand updates. Get your stand updates. Uh, February 2nd through February 4th, I will be at the Comedy Cabin in Janesville, Wisconsin. February 9th through February 11th, I will be at Helium in Indianapolis. February 17th and 18th, I will be at Uncle Vinny's in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. February 24th and 25th, I will be on Strong Island. Governor's my old stomping ground. Come and see me there. March 1st and 2nd, I will be at Off the Hook Comedy Club in Naples, Florida. And March 10th, 10th and 11th, I will be at Bananas Comedy Club in Rutherford, New Jersey. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. And as always, you know I want to shake your hand and thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. So I hope to see you at these gigs. All right? All right. Go on. Get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD. It's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is an actor with a household face. He specialized in playing unusual people in supporting roles for over 60 years. His new book is called Movie Dad, and you know him from playing Molly Ringwald's dad in 16 Candles, Julia Roberts' dad in Runaway Bride, Helen Hunt's dad on Mad About You, Cheryl Hines' dad on Curb Your Enthusiasm, and many, many more. He was the voice of Sarge the Army Jeep in Pixar's Cars. He co-created the award-winning children's educational series The Electric Company, and he was haunted throughout his career because his second wife disappeared with their children. Ladies and gentlemen... Boys and girls, it's an honor for me to introduce to you, Mr. Paul Dooley. How are you, pal? I'm great. Yeah? Thank, yeah. You, thank you so much for I, doing I this. I put on a shirt that would wake me up. <laughs> yeah, you guys can't see it, but uh, Paul's dressed like a barbershop pole. So. Or a French sailor. There you go. Uh, so many places to start. Um, one of the things I was telling you before we turned the mic on was Breaking Away, the movie Breaking Away, was huge for me when I was a kid. And you specifically. And my favorite. Yeah, it was your favorite too. 
Oh, sure. I got to ask you, the, uh, the, the, the legendary line, refund, when you were flipping out as a used car salesman and he wanted his money back, was that improvised or was that in the script? No, uh, it was in the script. Uh, I, I played around with it. Mm-hmm. The script said refund. Right. Refund. Right. Refund. <laughs> but I would say, refund, get, get this car, refund. <laughs> you can't get, refund. <laughs> And the next thing you see, I'm in bed with the doctor going, I orchestrated it. There were about seven of them. Yeah. I had fun with it because I'm kind of blaming the doctor who doesn't really. (laughs) He's there with a little stethoscope and I'm going, did you do that? It's a great moment. It is. It really is. But anyway, that's the best script I ever saw. The guy won the Oscar for it. Yeah. Uh, Steve Tessage. It was the best um, original screenplay. Mm -hmm. I never saw dialogue and lines written that beautifully. I mean, all those four young men, they all had great lines. Danny Stern had great lines. Yeah. Uh, I had great lines. And it was just beautifully constructed. Great script. I'm still dining out on it. Good for you. Good. Eat up, my friend, because it was a great role. And and it's and I'm and you came from. I want to start at the beginning. You came from West Virginia. Yes. And you've done so many things, Paul. You were a, a cartoonist. I. Uh, a cartoonist, you were a stand-up comic for about five years, you were a magician, you were a clown, you joined the Navy. There was all yeah. kinds of things, and all those things came together. Is that what really started your path? I know the cartoonist thing was first. What was the next step for you? Well, that was sort of a, a, a middle school, high school, and college. I, I fooled around with uh, um, cartooning in the College Humor magazine. My hometown paper had a comic strip and all that. Uh, but I wasn't thinking about being an actor. Uh, I kind of fell into it when I went to college. I studied art, and mm-hmm. I also studied uh, drama. Right. Um, so I was a theater major, but my minor was art. But I didn't know where I would go, but if I didn't go the actor route, I would uh, try to find a place to work in a newspaper, maybe doing cartoons. Mm-hmm. You, first, you started on Broadway, yes? I didn't start, but I got there. You got there. I was in The Odd Couple. Yeah. Okay. That big. Okay. That was real big for me. I got I got to show you this, Bull. Uh, yeah. That, I don't know if you can see that. It's Mathau, Jack Lemmon, and Neil Simon. Uh, that oh, big, yes. Brad Garrett gave me that picture because he played uh, Murray the Cop with Nathan Lane. And he sent me. <laughs> yeah, he sent me that picture. Uh, the Odd Couple was huge for me. So you were, you were Mike, didn't Mike Nichols cast you in that? Uh, yeah, he's the director. Mm-hmm. And, but he knew me a little bit from uh, Second City because he had started out in improv and he used to come to the Greenwich Village nightclub where we were doing Second City and I know that he was there a few times. He didn't come backstage. He was already famous. Uh, but uh, we say, hey, Mike's in the house. Mike's <laughs> in the house. Right. So I knew he knew who I was and when I auditioned for him, uh, I got the job just in a minute because of something I had lived. Uh, <clears throat> um, poker players didn't really use a script to audition with with their lines in it because they were so scattered. Mm-hmm. Every fourth line or fifth line was one of the poker players. It says, read the part of Felix, right? So I read the part of Felix and then I would understudy Carney. But I had four pages of script and you do even if you know the lines, you don't put the script down because then if you get nervous you, and you embarrass yourself. <laughs> so I had my lines, but I knew them, but I held the script. Well, on the last page, the Mathau character says something and insults, uh, well, everything he says insults Felix. But he said something that upset Felix. So at that moment at the audition, I threw all my pages in the air. Well, that's a laugh, and you don't usually get laughs at an audition. <laughs> They've been seeing people all day. 
So then allowed me or forced me to go down on my knees as Felix and clean up the papers that I had just thrown away. So I think that moment said to Mike Nichols, this guy can do this. <laughs> you know, he, he knows what's funny. So it's, it's, it's usually that you do an audition, you go home, you wait for your agent to call and say, you got it, you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going out the alley from the stage door and the stage manager ran after me and said, you got it. Ha! So that moment, that little moment in the audition really, you know, capped it off for me. He can see that I knew what was funny and could be inventive. But he also knew I had a background like him in improvisation. That's great. So, and then, so, so then Art Carney, uh, you actually end up playing Felix with Mathau. Yeah, because Art was uh, had a drinking problem mm-hmm. and he... He would miss so often that, you know, I'd gone on once a week or once every three weeks. So right. I really knew the part. And then he disappeared and, and went away. And I think he went into rehab for drinking. Mm-hmm. And he never came back. So I just uh, was moved up to that uh, position. And it was great fun. And didn't you uh, didn't you scold Mathau for breaking the fourth wall? Yeah, because he and also Mike uh, did a couple of books. He was interviewed and he always mentioned this moment. So I wasn't the only one. Right. Uh, he ad libbed something and said it to the audience. But it's, it's supposed to be up to God. He's supposed to say to heaven. The script says he looks to heaven. Uh, why doesn't he listen to me? Uh, I know I'm talking. I recognize my voice. Uh, but instead of doing it that way, he pick somebody in the first row and talk to them. So that's going to, when you break the fourth wall, sometimes it gets even bigger laugh. Sure. You get, you get a bald man or a fat lady. <laughs> and Mike gave him the note not to do it every day in our out-of-town tryout. Every day when we got notes or every night. But he never would give up his laugh. He just... He just, uh, you always listen to the director, but not when you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's thinking to himself, the hell with you, I'm going to do my laugh. <laughs> then after you open on Broadway, the, the, uh, <clears throat> the director disappears and you do what you want. Yeah. You know? So he was just very stubborn and selfish, actually. Mm. But he did what he wanted to. Yeah. So you're doing the, you're doing the play. And then, um, so so where did you where did you go after that? I, I became very successful, not in film or TV or even on the stage. I, I became famous in commercials and busy. I was one of the busiest actors because I was, I just looked like an everyman or the guy next door. So I did tons and tons and tons of commercials. And that was my career for a while. Right. So then you, you were playing fathers. You, you play a great dad. You play a great father doesn't know best kind of category. <laughs> that seemed to be the guy I did. But then in some of the movies, I sort of turned a corner and became a nice guy at the end and had a heart of gold at the end. You know? yeah. But uh, the most famous one was 16 Candles. Right. And after that, people would say, we need a father. Let's get that guy from 16 Candles. So that began a whole career, and I was a father to 25 actors. So being typecast meant that I worked a lot. That was good. And didn't you t- didn't you turn down this 16 Candles job at first? Yeah. Uh, it uh, The parents only appeared in the first five minutes and the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. And when I turned it down, the uh, director called me, and he said, uh, I've written another scene in the middle of a movie hoping to invite you and, you know, seduce you <laughs> into being in the movie. And that was that scene with Molly apologizing for forgetting her birthday. Yeah. That became kind of the iconic scene. It's on the cover of my book that I've just written. Yeah. Called Movie Dad. 
yeah. movie dad picture of me and molly she's tucked into the couch and i'm sitting there with her talking to her i remember it well paul i remember that scene well mm-hmm. and i remember the scene in breaking away uh for those people about uh, for, those, for those people not familiar with the movie it's a great movie uh your son wants to be a a big bicycle champion and the italians are coming the italians are coming and yeah. he gets to race with the italians and he's he's just he's racing with his heroes and they don't want him to win so they shove a bicycle pump into his spokes and they flip him over and he loses disillusion yeah that disillusion came to me almost in tears and i was playing my father as this father that's who i always use my own dad so as i'm embracing him and comforting him i realize if i'm my dad who's this i'm hugging that was me so i was giving myself the hug i never got from my father but it helped the scene paul two things one i think one of the two things that that always drawn me to you was that moment i i remember i remember the line paulie when you looked down and said now you know that's right that line he said, struck me. i think that the cue was everybody cheats or everybody lies yeah something like true like that I yeah and i lowered my voice a little now you know yeah but i just remember that just resonated with me and i don't know why but it did. And in reading the book, you said that you drew on your own life, you know, your own dad, but you're also your own life because this is when your second wife disappeared and you don't know where your family went. Is that accurate? That's right. Take me through that you know, story, will you? Well, it, the divorce became acrimonious and mm-hmm. she didn't want to talk to me. And even though we, these visitations with the kids, she just wanted to be, shove them out the door. And I'd pick them up in my car and we have a visit. But she just got more and more mad at me after we were supported, and support, um, separated, mm-hmm. then divorced. So she didn't want to talk to me. So there was this uh, cold, icy wall there. That went on for, you know, two, three years of separation and the divorce. Mm -hmm. But all the time she's trying to get away from me because she she thought I was driving her crazy. And uh, one day she just took off and moved and didn't tell me where she was going. And I didn't have my kids for quite a a while. Yeah. Eventually had a reunion with them when they were 18. Yeah, but you said you hired a detective and they you couldn't move because in, uh, in case they wanted to call, you didn't change your phone number. You had people looking for them for years. Yeah, and the detective said, oh, we'll find them in no time. Oh, everybody always forgets that. They leave a forwarding address at the post office and we'll find it. So mm-hmm. then it was cleverly done and well planned. So they really, detectives couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. So finally, I gave up on detectives and said, well, if they want to find me, they'll find me. This is where I live and, you know. You could look in the New York phone book and find me. Right. And they did eventually, but a long time after that. Yeah. Who was the first one to find you? It was uh, it was my daughter. Mm-hmm. I got an anonymous call, and a woman said, uh, is this Paul Dooley? I said, yes. She said, your daughter Robin is working at the animal shelter in Madison, Wisconsin. I said, who are you? And she says, I'd rather not say. And she hung up. Mm-hmm. I never knew sh- who she was, but she was an anonymous tipster. So I called her. We got in touch. And over time, we, we bonded and worked out to my son. My son heard I was talking to her, and he looked me up in the New York phone book. It, uh, a thing like this informed, it informed my acting because uh, having the pain that you go through deepens your soul, you know. So if I'm ever playing a moment as a father in a film and it needs to be uh, sadness in it for some reason, why I have it in reserve that I can use. Yeah. So everything an actor goes through helps his acting eventually in some way. Yeah. I was a much more lighthearted guy before that happened. <laughs> so I could, draw on, I could draw on my lightheartedness, you know. A lot of most of my commercials... Were some had something to do with a kind of a guy who was funny. 
Yeah. Like a bumbling door-to-door salesman or, you know, things, things like that. Yeah. It was funny. I draw my dad, too. I had, a, I had to play a fire chief, and I had to be in charge of, of, of all these fire guys. So I'm like, well, what's the most authoritative figure I know? And it was my dad. So I was, I was playing my dad for four years. Um, yeah. And then when I drew, I, let me ask you this. Have you ever drew on your father in a moment when you're working and got an insight into him that you didn't have before? Um, yes, because as I became him, he, had, he was one dimension. He was like a one dimension father. Mm-hmm. But as I was playing him, naturally, as an actor, you bring more to it than just the surface. Because my father was just turned off and remote and didn't talk to anybody. He practically didn't talk to his family. He was just a hard worker. Yeah. He came home from the factory, go into his workshop and spend a lot of time there. Never talked to us very much. So I have to invent closeness uh, with a father, uh, with him playing a father. I, I can act close. I can act like I'm a nice dad. But no, my role model wasn't very nice. He wasn't a mean guy. Mm. You know, there was no punishment. He never yelled at me. He just pulled into his shell, you know. Mm. He was just probably, he probably had, he was sad. His dad abandoned the family, and so he had a bad background like that. So in a way, I I, I forgive him for anything, how he was with me. I just lived through it and over uh, overcame it. Because I, I, here's the reason I asked, Paul, is uh, I had to play a scene where I had to apologize uh, and I called, I, I, I apologized like my dad and I felt, I felt embarrassed and shame, but I didn't feel it as me. I kind of felt it as him, you know? And yeah, sure. And, but the, I, 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 the reason I'm asking is I have no one else to talk about. This, this is the first, this is when you mentioned that, I'm like, holy shit, maybe Paul can help me. So I actually <laughs> felt it like him. So I'm not nuts, Paul. You felt it that way as well. Yeah. Uh, but when your dad's remote and you're growing up, you think every dad's like that. That's yeah. all you know. It's what you go through. He built his own house. I, I thought every dad built a house. Yeah, my dad did the same was, thing when I read that in a book. My dad built my house. My dad wasn't yeah. remote. He was. He yelled a lot, Paulie. I got the yelling you never got. So, yeah. But he, he, I identified him uh, with him the same way. And when I felt that feeling, I, I felt closer to him, even though he wasn't there. Sure. I, I, I couldn't really appreciate that until I grew up and I'm in therapy talking about it. Mm-hmm. And he said, your dad may have had little education. He had poor eyesight. Mm-hmm. But he had to have been very, very intellectual, not intellectual, intelligent. intelligent. Because where does all that come from? If you have very bad eyes, how do you measure a quarter of an inch? Mm-hmm. How do you build a house? How do you build cabinets? A quarter of an inch, an eighth of an inch. Otherwise, they're not, they're crooked. Mm-hmm. So I would appreciate him, you know, when I'm 30 or 35 talking to my therapist. And you said, yeah. and you, said you forgave him. Was it, was, yeah. it, was it hard for you to do that? Uh, well, I in therapy, you can be as sad as you want to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I never uh, thought ill of my father because uh, I somehow, even as a kid, I think I had empathy for him. Yeah. I think I somehow understood that uh, life hadn't been easy for him and it wasn't his fault. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, your name is Ferrara. Mm-hmm. Is it Spanish or Italian? Italian. Italian, yeah. yeah. I'm an Italophobe. I, I studied Italian in college and became fluent in it. I took eight semesters. When we finally were able to, after five semesters, speak it, 
we started studying things like Dante's Inferno yeah. and the Italian newspaper from New York, Il Progresso Italiano Americano. <laughs> and I've been to uh, Italy several times. I always end up in Florence, my favorite city. Yeah. But uh, I love Italians. I love things Italian. You want to hear my fake Italian? Please. Which you told to Capetino, Raspasari. Non impatterona, non c'è necessari, garantari, quanto tiro. Ma con tu di io, ma non c'è macho, che la banda se lo chiede da That's great. Now, weren't uh, you? You were also in, in Christopher Guest's orbit, right? You did Waiting for Guffman. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I did three of them. I did the what's the one with music, honey? Um, a mighty wind. A mighty wind. Ah, that was the one with all the folk singing. Sure, I love Chris. He's great. Yeah, and I had, as you know, a wonderful scene in Guffman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a guy was a abducted a spaceship and was probed eternally. <laughs> or internally. <laughs> well, your wife, is that, uh, is that, was that your wife? She created... Yeah, uh, my, my mistress. Th- hey, Paul, <laughs> it's a mic, not a gavel. I'm not judging anybody. No, no. Yes, she is the author, one of the authors of Wicked. Wicked, yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. Wicked and uh, My So-Called Life. Didn't your wife create My So-Called Life? She did, yeah. And she's still creating. She's still working. God she's bless her. Never yeah. stops. I was fascinated to learn that you co-created The Electric Company. I watched that when I was a kid. How did that happen? Uh, I got a call to go over to the children's television workshop. And I, because I'd been doing a lot of commercial work, I thought they might have wanted me to do a voice for Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Said they were creating a new show. They didn't have a title. They didn't have a format. didn't have a cast. They hired seven writers to work on it. I was clever enough that I got promoted to being head writer. And uh, it was largely because I made up funny names for people like uh, Child Chef Julia Grownup and uh, Fargo North, the coder. <laughs> and uh, Morgan Freeman played Easy Reader, who was based on Easy Rider. Because they came up with these clever names, they figured those are scenes that can reoccur on a regular basis and the kids will identify with the characters, which is what you do mm-hmm. if you're doing, say, a sitcom or something. Uh, and I think because of that, they made me the head writer and it, I did a lot of creative stuff. That's, uh, the, the, your output has been amazing. What has happened? Have you ever experienced like a dry spell or where you don't know who you are anymore? Well, not really. I, uh, on my own, I didn't sell them, but I've written uh, one script on my own and two scripts with my son, whose name is Adam, by mm. the way. And uh, we haven't sold them because in Hollywood, everybody has a script, including the the, the uh, guy who delivers the mail. Yeah. Everybody out there is writing a script. So it's very, very hard to break in. But I learned by by doing it. I learned how to write movies by knowing a lot about them, being in them, studying them, watching a lot of them. Uh, I was able to write a couple, uh, uh, two or three movies. But I, so I didn't, I wasn't the kind of writer who had a dry spell because I wasn't doing it often enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have much of a dry spell in acting either. Because when I got, once I'd done those movies with Altman, everybody out in Hollywood knew who I was. And I got jobs kind of based on that, you know. He was he was before Scorsese and Coppola. Mm-hmm. So he was very important director and one of the first independent directors. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a lot from him. He was a great guy. And with him, I played Popeye. Uh, in the movie Popeye, I played Wimpy. Yeah. Yeah. How- all over my house are things people send to me, like miniature Wimpies, medium-sized Wimpies, <laughs> bigger Wimpies. Uh you know, stuffed dolls. And How was it working with Robin? Robin was great. You can imagine working 12 hours a day and having a court jester. Yeah. I mean, 
no matter how tired we were, it was always once somebody had a crutch, one of the character actors and townsperson had a crutch. He said that he barred it. We were on a 10 minute break and he started playing a, a drunk mm-hmm. on one crutch. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, as you know, he just uh, he improvises a mile a minute. Well, having someone in the cast like that meant the days went quick, you know? Yeah. And then he and I used to talk about the comedy and comedians. We both loved Jonathan Winters. That was his hero, Jonathan yeah. Winters. Because Jonathan was all over the place like Robin was. Mm-hmm. Scattershot. Yeah. In fact, Robin never waited and listened to the audience. They they were laughing. He's already doing two more things. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I love Jack Benny because he takes in the audience, lets him enjoy it. He takes long pauses, then he gets bigger laughs by waiting. There's a great example of the timing, the slow timing. And the best timing in a comedy routine ever was Who's on First with Evan Costello. I consider it to be comedy music. Yeah. Because the rhythms are almost more important than the words. Yeah, that's what we did. That that bit was in, uh, I think, Naughty Niners was the movie uh, that it, it, was, it first appeared in, that bit. And when I was a kid growing up on Long Island, you would you have to get up and you have to do some work Sunday mornings, and 11.30, you watch the Abbott and Costello movie, and then 1 o'clock, the football game starts. So we'd always yeah. run in and hope it was that movie because it had that yeah. bit in it. But long before that movie, they were doing it in burlesque. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they go way back. I'll tell you something interesting. Mm. The straight man in the comedy team... And Bless made more money than the comic because he also acted as the manager and he would go out to the box office and count the money every night and try to get more bookings. So he made twice as much money as the comic. But the audience thought the comic was the genius. Sure. Yeah. And his name came first and it always pissed Costello off. (laughs) Here's the funny thing. They started getting... Uh, recognized beyond burlesque in, in some nightclubs down in Atlantic City or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they got a radio show. They got on radio. And he still made more money than Costello. When the movies picked them up and make contracts, they used to have the same lawyer. So you can see he's not going to help both of them the same way. Mm-hmm. So Costello said, I don't want 50. I don't want to be 60-40 anymore. I want to, he says, Abbott's lawyer says, you want to be 50-50, so no. Now I went 60-40 my way. So he made more money in the movies. But in the beginning, he made less money. I'm also a scholar for everything that has to do with comedy. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I got that picture when I heard you were in the Odd Couple. I, I, I had dinner with Klugman before he passed away. I, uh, when his, when his, uh, his book came out, I, I read it, Paul, I read it standing up in a Barnes and Noble. Um, and I turned it over and I knew the guy who wrote it. And I said, can you get a note to Jack? And I just sent him a note and I put my phone number on it. And he called me. He called me, says, when are you going to be in L.A.? So I'll be in January. He goes, meet me down. I think it's Gene Connors, the one, that, that Italian restaurant down the, uh, the PCH. I met him there. And uh, he, oh, yeah. he walked across yeah. the street because his condo was right across the street. And he sat with me for two and a half hours. We ate veal parmesan. He was telling me stories. It was great. He's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, I did the Sunshine Boys with him. Mm-hmm. He knew my work and he chose me to do the Sunshine Boys, we did it back in the, a little original theater in New Jersey. So I worked with him for four weeks. And I used to go to his house after that. Yeah? Yeah. He, he lived in the Valley at that time. Paul, out of all the stuff you've done, give me your top three moments, if you possibly could. Well, finding the script of uh, <clears throat> uh, Breaking Away. Mm-hmm. And nothing I ever did was that well written. Mm-hmm. So that everything... Every time I opened my mouth, I could get a laugh. And as you remember from the book, 
I go to what I think is an audition to read three pages for an audition. And it's a table read. And I read the whole the whole uh, movie in front of a, a crowd of uh, suits, you know, from the network. Sure. Or from these studios. So an audition where you get every laugh in the whole, in the whole movie is a great audition. So after about 10 pages, I said to myself, I got this. Mm. You know, how am I not going to get it? But uh, Klugman's great. I really liked him. Yeah. We had a great time doing it. I played what was the George Burns role in the movie. Mm-hmm. And ta! Yeah. What happened to come in? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and ta! <laughs> he, he says, do it again and don't say enter. I said, knock, knock. And ta! <laughs> <laughs> Alan Arkin directed that on Broadway. Uh huh. And Alan's a friend of mine from Second City. And there's a scene where they're setting up the scene with props. And every time one guy brings on the chair, the guy takes away the desk. And he brings on a hat rack, he takes away the chair. <laughs> they can't agree on what three pieces of furniture are there. And that was Arkin's doing. I put that together. Can I ask you, when you were trying to find your family, you were still working, and your, your career was, was zooming. But yeah, your heart was, but your heart was breaking. Yeah. Is, so you're a writer too. Yeah. During that time, can you remember what actually got you through those dark moments? Well, I sold my gun. Well, that's a good step. No, I don't know. Just the perseverance. First of all, you're trained as an actor to be disappointed almost all the time. I'd say in ten auditions, you're mm-hmm. going to get one. Or 20 auditions, you get one. So your whole life is disappointment. And how do you deal with it? And it's, you have to, it's something you just say what it is. You know, you say, well, this is what's going on. I have to make the best of it. So that's what I think it is. Yeah. And also therapy. Yeah. Because uh, I had the same therapist for many, many years. I go to, I go out of town to make a film, come back and go back to therapy. <laughs> so over time, I was in it for, you know, 20 years, maybe. Yeah. And I go to him when I had, specific problems yeah. and he helped me get through um, the um, kids being taken away right. especially that well the book is called movie dad it is great uh, i'm really enjoying it as i've enjoyed your work all over these years i i am so grateful you made time for us today paul best to you and your family and continued success my friend Arrivederci. hi i'm paul dooley and i've just done 30 minutes i will never get back that was a treat for me. I actually, he looked, he looked the same to me when mm-hmm. I was talking to him. Mm-hmm. Man. You know, so cool. I mean, he's been my TV dad, my, you know, my, my movie dad for like ever. Mm. And to hear that conversation, but I just loved it. I love him and I loved it. And by the way, a movie that did not get mentioned mm. either before or during the interview was one of my favorites, Strange Brew. People forget he, that he was in Strange Brew. I forgot he was in Strange Brew. <laughs> Bob and Doug McKenzie, yeah, he played. He played like the bad stepfather or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I certainly remember he was testifying, and it was like so funny. He's just, he's just one of those guys. Every time you see him in a movie. You're just like, yeah, Paul's in this. This is going to be fun. I thought it was kind of interesting when he said that he didn't have a good relationship with his dad. I felt it was a little ironic that he could play dad so well. Well, he was creating what he said. He goes, I had to create the emotional experience of a father that I didn't have. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like, what did he pull from? 
I think he pulled on maybe the way he wanted it to be. You know, that uh-huh. was just so yeah. like how he would be. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I did it. I mean, I'm, I'm just grateful I got a chance to have the conversation with him as an actor, just to say, because did you understand your dad more? Because I did, because I drew on dad for I drew on pop when I was playing Rescue Me, because that's the authority figure I knew. Right. And then when I took that to put into the, um, Nurse Jackie, I had to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. and that's where I had to find a bit of me in there. But I understood how my father couldn't be vulnerable because. My father put so much pressure on himself. He's like, I can't be wrong because if I'm wrong, my family will see that I don't know and I'm supposed to know everything and I have all the answers so they feel safe. <laughs> that, that's that how I, it works? That's what I got. <laughs> I got the same thing, except I'm, I'm more- A lot Stern, of pressure. Yeah. Too much pressure. That's why Stern, I'm now, when I met Alex, I, I had to tell her I don't know, especially when watching a movie. Watching a movie, she's like, who's that guy? I'm like, I came in with you. I didn't. I wasn't in the writer's room. <laughs> I know you think I'm supposed to know stuff, but I don't know anything. I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't want to see this movie. I'm Googling it. <laughs> but yeah, I, that, that's what I understood about my dad, the pressure he put on himself. Yes, Stern. But that, I mean, you had all of that to, to draw from, mm-hmm. you know, even if it was like, well, this is a situation my father never really got into, but, you know, like with the apology, but, you know, you, you're using that as inspiration. For Paul, I mean, you're like, like you said, it's like when you're a kid going to sleep at night, you're probably like, well, this is what I wish my dad was like, yeah. and, you know, wish she was warmer, which give me a hug, show some emotion, you know, and we don't have any of that to sort of build that out of whole cloth. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think it speaks to the level of talent that Paul Dooley has mm-hmm. as an actor, you know, yeah, just as a creative person. I mean, he worked on the electric company. I saw that when I was a kid. I know. So did I. Yeah. I remember that show. The fact that he, yeah, the fact that he was like hanging around. I didn't, I forgot that Morgan Freeman was a part of that. Show. Yeah. Before he started yeah, saving what... penguins. <laughs> Before he just was the greatest voiceover man of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But but no, that was now what was the apology scene though with with uh with Edie? We did in, a scene in, where, uh, where, where I had to I had to she was yelling at me that I didn't pick up the phone. What did you do, Adam? I forget it. Uh, <laughs> like I was mad. You know she was I, a drug addict that's <laughs> sleeping around on you, right? Well sure. <laughs> Bring out the dirty laundry. Yeah. Unbeknownst to my character at the time, Stern, but I was, I think, I think my character was angry at her and I, I I Uh purposely didn't pick up the phone and she called me on it and I'm like, ah, shit, I'm wrong. And I just had to, I just had to be vulnerable and apologize and look at her right in the eye and do it. And I was like, "Mm." there was, it was a big moment where I I got a flash of why this was hard for my father to do, but I would see him do it. And I remember when I watched it back, I go, it's the same look my father had in his eyes when I saw him do it. Mm-hmm. And that just That's always cool. struck me because I didn't know if I was crazy. And then Paul said I wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. And then my wife said I was. So we're back to square one. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're right back where we started. Yeah. yeah. We're back at the car. It's raining. It's Christmas night. Yeah. And we're still out of gas. $40. I'll show you. <laughs> Is that how much they go for? I don't know. It's forty dollars at the gas station, plus the five dollars to bring him back to where he was before, making no progress in this problem That's whatsoever. That's true. I didn't calculate all that. Yeah, yeah. he spent oh, I, a lot. I did the math, and this and it's a stupidity tax. That's what it is. <laughs> Phil paid stupidity tax. I call it the yes. stubborn tax. Yeah. Yeah, because that was more stubborn, don't you think? Yeah, I was stubborn too. That's what, and I got that from my father. The stubbornness. You didn't get your bow and arrow skills from your dad, apparently. Not no. at all. Can't shoot a bow and arrow. That's a pity. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see you shooting a bow and arrow. A crossbow. Very manly, Adam. I'd shoot a crossbow. Oh, you can? Yeah. I'd like to see that. You're very good at darts. Yes, I pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. Pop would have liked a crossbow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I know you get a lot from your dad, and I can tell, like, when we're taping you for uh, certain roles, like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, Adam, check this out. 
you're acting like pop. Yeah. Stuff. Really? Yeah. So That's... we have to tone it down, especially when we're doing like a cartoon voiceover. Yeah. She's like, you're not your father. And I know what that means, you know. <laughs> but that's. No, that's smart. Yeah, and I, I i mean, I guess you have to do that. I would. How hard is it to go back and look at that for you, Adam, though? Even with someone who is on, in, I mean, that you love as much as you love Alex, to like be like, oh, yeah, that's a good note. Oh, that's- yeah, makes it worse. <laughs> makes it worse. I would rather have a director I don't know tell me, give me a note, than my wife. Because she'll give me the note, and she'll be right about the note, but I'm carrying all the baggage and shit that we got before. Like, do this differently. The dog is still shitting in the house. When's that going to change? <laughs> right. You're well, not having having those thoughts with the director. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did learn early on that it's better to tape him, show him the tape, like roll the tape. Yeah. And so you could see it right for, he could see it right for himself. Yeah. That's what she does. Cause we don't argue. I don't want to take it. Yeah. She's like, mm. check it out, Adam. <laughs> yeah. You let me know. What do you think about this beat? Which means you're being your father asshole. Hurry up. I don't want to do this anymore. Well, which I mean, there's parts where you want to be like pop, but yeah. not when you're doing a voiceover for a cartoon. Yeah. Hey, kids, take out the friggin' garbage. Cut. <laughs> Thank you. You're frightening the children. Exactly. <laughs> the wolves will be at the front door. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the wolves will be at the front door. Kids, you, this is what I'm telling you now. Remember that story? You got to be thinking three steps ahead of everybody. If you got a dollar, there's someone there trying to figure a way to get it out of your hands, okay? <laughs> the wolves are always at the door. You hear me? I was six, okay? <laughs> I, I'd actually like you to make a cartoon like that. I was I terrified that. at six years old. So would I. I'd watch that. Yeah? Yeah. Man. So, yeah, I, I draw my father. I draw on you a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Every love scene, I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. Well, I because I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you. Well, you gotta you gotta draw it from you know truth. Gotta draw stuff from truth. That's what acting is. Thank you. Hold on, I gotta make a note. <laughs> you know what I like to say? What? Adam, you lie for a living. Yeah, she says then. <laughs> I said no. I act real in imaginary circumstances. <laughs> liar. Yeah. I cash the checks and the money's gone, so you can't be that upset with. Me. No, you're a good liar. Thank you. <laughs> Yes, At least I. you get paid for it. I do all this pretend stuff in my world where, like, I'm I'm at Safeway talking in a British accent for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> I've thought I of you many times. I yeah. don't understand. Like, people will be like, you know, oh, can I get back? Oh, I'm terribly sorry. No. Oh, yes. No. Merry New Year to you. How do you say it? Just, just for no reason? <laughs> Just for no reason. To it. And, then I walk on, and then I'm talking like, you know, from Boston in the next aisle. I'm like, I really, I need to get some help. <laughs> you need a vacay. Yeah. But, but you know what? But, Think about like, all right, so this is Paul Dooley. Yeah. The great film father of all time. Yep. Okay. We all agree on that. And how cool, uh, how weird is it, I guess, that he didn't have that father figure in his life like we talked about. And then you find out that as a real life father, his family, like his yeah, wife, the like wife took the kids. kids and disappears on that him. Yeah. Like that, man. That's that. When I read that, I read that part of the book because they sent me the book and I read that. I said, oh, I got to ask him about this because I'd be a mess. I can't go on the road for more than two weeks without my family. I'm a, I'm a friggin' mess. Yeah. And, yeah. They, and, and while and, he's doing all this, his career was taken off and the kids were gone. He's like, he couldn't move. He couldn't change his phone number. He was like a hostage. And he went to therapy back then when nobody went to therapy. He's like, I would go right. out and work, come back to therapy. So he was a twitchy mess, which means my wife could understand that because she lives with one too. Yeah. 
But even like the 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 uh, private investigators, like they were, it seemed like they were useless. Don't worry, they'll turn up. They always yeah. do. Everyone leaves a change of address. No change of address. Ah, yeah, gonna take longer than we thought. Thank you, Philip Marlowe. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can you get Colombo over here? He's a little bit more helpful than you idiots. Yeah. Thank you. And then he got the call out of nowhere. Mm. You know, she's working at a petting zoo in Madison, Wisconsin. Who's this? I'd yeah. rather not say. Right. I mean, I, it it all sort of came full circle for him, and he's got a relationship with him now. But man, man that's a that's just a weird journey, isn't that's, it? That's a that's a bumpy road. Yeah, he he was neglected out of being a father, yeah. yet he's typecast as being the greatest father in yeah. so many films. Yeah. That's so he, so he didn't have a father. They, when he had the chance to be a father, they took it from him. So I'll show you. I'll make money doing it. And he does he it was, great. He was cheated out of being a father. Yeah. Now, Alex, and I'm, 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 I'm playing the scenario game here. Like, how would it be for you if we know how Adam would be if you were gone? Because we've seen this when he's on the road. He's a mess. How would it be for you if, if Adam was gone? Party, yeah. party, party. Yeah, she would. Yes. Well, no doubt in my is. mind. <laughs> honey, I'm, honey, I'm so sorry. I booked this gig. Oh, I can't. When? Okay. <laughs> when can I invite people over? When? <laughs> Apparently, I'm a lot. My wife said that to me the other day. You're a lot. Yeah, she goes. When you can know, I get my hair done? You're a lot. A massage. What does that mean? I'm facial. a lot. Because we need this. It's a big house. We don't need it. Because you think I'm living in a condo with you? I need this house to get away from you, for God's sake. <laughs> this is what she tells me, my wife. <laughs> oh, that's a hallmark moment. <laughs> you're, I'm on the road. I call her up. I go, honey, because not now. I'm doing something. What are you doing? I'll think of something. Call me back. And just, <laughs> just get out of my hair. I got a life. I know. I can see it when I come home. When I come home, she's smiling, but her eyes are saying, oh, shit, he's back. That's what it is. No, What's it's today? not like You're that. You're back already? Yeah. <laughs> I do wish for like, mm, can you just give me one more hour? <laughs> yeah. You know when she wants me to home? If she sees a spider in the kitchen, that's when she needs me. You know? You know? Or she runs out of gas a half a mile from a gas station. That's when my phone rings. <laughs> hey, I can count on you. Just bring $40. We need a gas can. <laughs> we need a gas can. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I'd be a mess. I'd be a mess without my family. <laughs> yeah, I'm a mess I'd with my family. With it's worse when I'm by myself. Yeah, I would be on the phone a lot with you. She's still gone, Stern. I know. It's 15 minutes later since we last talked. I know. It's, okay. I, <laughs> yeah. it's not so bad. Well, it is kind of bad. I'm trying to think. It's bad on the road. New York, when I'm back at the apartment in New York, I'm kind of okay. You know, but it, but I get yeah. I get road burn real easy. We used to call it road burn because you stay out because you got the opportunity to stay out and make money. What's the longest you ever on the road? Longest I was on the road, I think, might have been close to two months because I was shooting a movie for six weeks, and then I had gigs after that. When, I didn't know you. At any time, Adam had to go for a long time. Like he, he was, there was a point where he was doing Top Gear, Nurse Jackie, and stand up. Yeah. So I was like, wow. Adam, I'm I'm here for you. I know you need my help. Remember, I yeah. said, and I put aside whatever I was doing, mm -hmm. and I completely focused on helping you because yeah. it was too much yeah yeah uh, but yeah it was it's a lot i mean i can't do do this stuff by myself I, I, i've had it with me i've really had it with me and i and i've reached a point in my life where i look at me and i think to myself oh shit it's me i'm obviously causing these problems <laughs> it's all me it's all me oh, that's when that's when i asked paul you know because i was like do you ever get stuck creatively he goes no not really and i didn't want to say it but in my head i'm like you you know what <laughs> he's in his 90s and he's still creatively he's fine all right? i'm nowhere near him i'm crumbling <laughs> just so you know adam what i love you 
Yeah, I love him. <laughs> Tiny ass. And I love both you kids. Yeah. And you know what? Gas is on me. Come on, let's go for a ride. Yeah. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the gas and I'm going to return the can. Yes. <laughs> I want to thank Paul Dooley for being on the that show. Movie. Yeah. Uh, the book is called Movie Dad. Check it out. Uh, honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara Gmail. Thank you guys so much for spreading the word about this show. Uh, if you can tell 143 people about the show, that will help us out a great deal. And, of course, if you leave us a review, that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. And remember, we're all in this together, brothers and sisters. So please share the road. And life is hard. So you take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. My hand still smells like gas. It's been 24 hours. Is, it my, is, it, is that bad? Well, they, if it's still on your skin, it means it's probably in your bloodstream. What? Yeah, you, you, you're probably going to be fine. Just don't fart near an open flame. What <laughs> <like> the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Phil should really not be left unattended.